You're listening to a Dallas Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Dallas sports fan experience. And now here comes Sagan with speed. Drop. Radulov. Across. Flickberg shoots. He scores. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Trips and Sellies, episode 10, finally. Uh, we took last week off because there's just so much going on that we couldn't process everything with the NHL and other things going on in the country. But I'm Lane. This is Amy. And we're going to talk this week about phase three that the NHL finally decided on. Uh, NHL hockey diversity and the Masterton Trophy. Uh, When we left off with you guys, the NHL decided on phase two, which started already with the Stars. Had five players on the ice the other day um, practicing with each other. The most you can have on the ice is six people, according to the parameters of phase two. Phase three will start July 10th, and that is technically training camp. Um, And they have not decided on when phase four is or or the hub cities, which I feel like should be the next step before they even decide phase four, obviously. Because phase four is when they actually are able to play the games. Um, right. I would think that they would have to come out and announce those cities rather quickly because you will have 12, whatever city is chosen will have 12 teams descending on it. And there's going to have to be preparations made. You know, you're going to have to hotels and, you know, food and that sort of thing. And so I think they're going to have to at least choose the city here fairly quickly so they can have all that ironed out. And I think they're still talking about whether or not phase three will, all three weeks will take place in the hub city or if just one week will. So I think they're still talking about that. To me, I thought they would have announced the hub cities with with the announcement an announcement of uh, phase three yesterday. But knowing the NHL, they couldn't do that. Um, they they just need to make up their mind. I understand they're working on the CBA as well, uh, trying to pick, try, trying to iron that out. But the most important thing right now is to figure out where they're going to send the players for each each division or each conference and go from there. I know there was talks about possibly if it ends up in Dallas or anywhere, I guess, but there are talks about uh, buying restaurants to for places to go eat at because uh-huh. apparently according to the parameters of the the bubble or the hub cities is that they can only go from the hotel to the rink or rinks. Uh-huh. There's going to be multiple, if it's in Dallas, there's multiple rinks to practice on. 
Uh, but, I mean, that would be a good idea, I guess, because, I mean, there wouldn't be much for them to eat otherwise. Uh, I mean, I guess they could go through a fast food restaurant or whatever, but to be able to sit down and eat a, a meal would be better than just ordering takeout or something. But uh, and for them to remain healthy. But something interesting I saw yesterday in Elliot Friedman's article, Thirty-One Thoughts. Um, let's see. The NHL has asked teams to submit the names of. AHL players slash prospects that could be added to their rosters for training camp and phase four. Um, the stars will add Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger, otherwise known as Otter. And then there's uh, two possibilities that they could add if it's permitted. Ty Delandra and Thomas Harley, which will give them playoff experience if they're able to be added but just to be able to watch the the other players play gives them some experience I guess right and I think we're all we were all expecting Ottinger to be um pulled in as a backup goalie if needed um what do you think about the choice of Robertson I think he showed that he performed well when he did get the chance to play um, before all of this happened. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like he could have played like, a little bit better, but. His play was definitely better, but he only had that, got to play in, I think, one game before the yeah, shutdown. Yeah. It, it'd be nice to have seen him play a couple more. I think. Um, I can't I should have looked up the numbers um Kiwi and um Kamano mm. I think played the most yeah but um I want to say they were there for a couple of weeks at least yeah yeah but I you know apparently whatever they saw in Robertson you know he's the one that they chose so they must and I don't know something. I don't know what went into that decision, honestly, because I don't know how all that works. I mean, obviously, they got to pick a goalie and then somebody else, but um, I, I wouldn't know. I feel like they would have picked Kiviranta over Harley or Delandro, but I mean, yeah. I don't know how the, what the difference is. Was kind of thinking the same thing. I don't know. Maybe we'll hear more about it. And as far as Hub Cities, why why do you think Dallas would be a good option? I think we have the a good number of sheets of ice for everybody to have their own rink to be practicing in. If it was, you know, if they're spending three weeks here for training camp. You know, we definitely have plenty of ice for them to be on. And just so that way everybody has, each team could have their own. Yeah. Own rink. I think we have plenty of hotels, plenty of restaurants for food. Uh, I think we have the space for it. 
so you know it would be i think it would be nice if we were chosen i'm not sure what they're i know they're looking at the numbers and ours are increasing every day the more we open up um i feel like they're increasing all across the country too though so i mean it's i guess it depends on how significant the the numbers are increasing yeah and also they're since they are going to be in a bubble it i don't feel like it a it's not the same as like you and me going out yeah and the fact that my son is already back on the ice and with way more than six people every day i I feel pretty okay with them having to get back on the ice, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the star centers have all opened back up. They have their youth players out there off campus is, is back on uh, tryouts for high school summer teams have gone on and they're not using the locker rooms, but they're out there on the ice with way more than six people. So, if it's safe enough for our kids to be out there, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it's safe enough for our healthy athletes to um, be out there too. Yeah, I agree. And according to Sean Shapiro, who turned your question into an answer, I guess, earlier <laughs> last week or this week. I'm still feeling salty about that. <laughs> he said uh, something, to th something to think about if you play recreational hockey in BFW, if Dallas, does get chosen as a hub city all the star centers could be shut down for nhl use only with each team getting their own sheet of ice which makes sense as far as each team it, they have the ability to give each team their own ice they do now each rink does have two sheets of ice and as of right now you know they're handling that in frisco because they still you know one rink is one sheet of ice is for the public and the other is just for the the stars to be on right now so i don't know if they would do that with every every rink or if it would be too much now i did ask i did ask sean if other rinks arenas you know across the the league were the same where you know there was a public side to it with the practice facilities and he yeah. did say that was pretty that was common so it looks like that would be an issue anywhere they went not just here so i guess it would just be whether or not they can safely divide the public and the players or if they're willing to lose the money because we already know they're hurting for money. Yeah. I mean, I guess it all depends. Cause I know in Texas, at least in outdoor stadiums, they can have what 50% capacity. Yes. Or 25%, something like that, but they haven't said anything about indoor stadiums. So I don't know. Yeah. As far as getting fans in the door, how that would work. If at all. Um, obviously, I know fans would want to go and make it uh, a home home ice advantage. But like we've mentioned before, how how do they determine who gets in and who doesn't? 
or do they just sell tickets to or single game tickets? And when they hit the max, they hit the max and don't let anybody in. Right. Kind of like the concerts where it's a mash, you know, a mad rush at the beginning. Yeah. And then once they're out, they're out. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But I have come up with a way that we can do training camp. Still see training camp, just not in person. Well, because I don't even think they're allowing media to it. They're not either. even allowing media in, but, and this is why they should all come here for training camp to Dallas. This is another reason all the star centers are set up with live barn, mm -hmm. which um, let, has a camera on each sheet of ice and you can see, you know, what's mm -hmm. going on. And it's, you know, it's set up so you can watch your kids if you can't be there. Yeah you know, in general. And I have a subscription so I can watch my son the time, you know, for private lessons, that kind of thing going on. Mm. So there's no reason why they couldn't open that up to the public during training camp, which it normally is anyway. And yeah. people can still watch and the media could watch and have actually have something to report on. Yeah, it's just they wouldn't that way they wouldn't just hear it from the coaches or the GMs right. or whatever about what happened. Right. And it, it wouldn't be exactly the same. Um, I actually, I posted something today on my Twitter feed with a little clip of yesterday's. They uh, didn't have it locked down. So I'm actually recording yesterday's practice right now. Um, today's was locked, but they could, you know, that's that's up to them. The centers yeah. could either unlock it or they can unlock it only to certain people with a passcode. Mm -hmm. So I could see how they could, you know, do this. It would give media something to report on. It would give fans a way to look at what's going on, which they're used to doing. A lot of people go to the training camp. Yeah. So. Um, to I did notice that there's only three or four Eastern Conference cities being talked about as possibly possibly being a hub city. Right. To me, I thought it would be like split even for both mm -hmm. conferences since I guess one has to be on the Eastern – well, I don't know if it has to be, but I would think the most logical thing would be putting the Eastern Conference on an East in an Eastern Conference city. And the same, doing the same with the Western Conference. But if they put them both on Western Conference, the time change may affect some of the players that play in the Eastern Conference. But I don't know how much of a significant effect that would have. Yeah, I mean, they're used to traveling back and forth for games anyway. Yeah. So... Well, in this case, they wouldn't be traveling back and forth. They'd just be there for several right. weeks. So, you know, it should be something that they got used to fairly quickly since they're not going back and forth. That should be easier than flying into different time zones and then heading back just a few days later, you know. So... 
but yeah, I don't think they've, they, they haven't outlined whether it definitely will be an East Coast, you know, an, an Eastern city and a Western, or they could both be in the West, you know, I'm not sure. But I, I have a feeling we need to know here pretty soon. To yeah, get I feel like logistically ironed out. I feel like they need because the tenth was what yesterday. No, two days ago. So a month from two days ago, they're gonna have training camp. Like yeah. they don't know where they're gonna play yet. So. I feel like they need to decide before the end of next week or the end of the work week next week. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could come out with something on Monday, who knows, or something tonight even, but one, it'll give us something to talk about. And two, <laughs> it'll, it'll give the players or let the players know where, where they're going and travel plans and all that. If they can bring family, I'm not sure if they're allowed to, if it's just the players. They can go, because I mean that would cost the players money if they can bring family. But I mean, like the NBA, I think they're they're the only the players can go to Disney World, and they're in that bubble for however long, I guess three months. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna do the same thing with the NHL or not. Yeah, I don't think they have that part ironed out yet. I think they're still negotiating going back and forth. <clears throat> but, you know, it's, you know, people are talking about separating players from their families for, you know, three months. <laughs> but not every team is going to make it that long. Yeah. You know. So I think if they can work it out to where the first two weeks of training camp is actually in their home city, then that then cuts that down. Last that, to, you know, uh, that'll cut down the amount of time that they're away from their family. Yeah. So I kind of see, I kind of feel like that's probably more likely to happen. And I read something somewhere that, according to um, – I think Sean may have put it out, Sean Shapiro may have put it out, that the teams would be reseeded after the playing round. Uh -huh. So if the, the star, if the Stars are the number one seed after the round robin, that's the best-case scenario <clears throat> for them because they, they would be the number one seed every time if they win or every round they win. So I don't know as far – I don't know how they would do the other teams, but I guess the if the higher seed won, they'd still be the same. But if the lower seed won, they'd move up a seed. I don't know how that would work. I think it's, it's reseeded each time though, right? Yeah. So, Yeah. Okay, here it is. Uh, let's see. The qualifying round, the first round, will be composed of the best of five series between the teams that aren't in the round robin. Uh, all other rounds, first round, second round, conference finals, and Stanley Cup final will be best of seven. 
in each succeeding format of the 2020 Cup Stanley Cup playoffs, the highest remaining seed in each conference will face the lowest remaining seed, and et cetera. Uh, quote unquote home ice. In the qualifying round, the higher seeded team will be the designated home team. In games one, two, and five, the lower seeded teams in games three and four. Uh, so it's definitely an advantage to be the higher seed um, for this scenario. I mean, for any playoff scenario, obviously, but more so in this scenario. Um, I kind of feel like they should possibly adopt some of this into the playoffs going forward. forward. Yeah, a lot of people I don't like know. The setup's definitely better for sure, but I don't know if they're just going to revert back to the to the old setup or I guess it depends on how well this one goes. Right, uh, you would hope that if something they try something new which they already don't like doing. Yeah. They try. They're forced into trying it, and it goes well. Hopefully, they have the <clears throat> willingness to. That's a word to put. That's the way to put it. <laughs> the willingness to at least try to um, work it into coming seasons. Yeah, I feel like that's the best step for them to take. In, in regards of possibly getting new fans, um, they could be the first league to be back. I know MLB's still in the planning stages, and then I think the NBA starts back July 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, training camp for NHL starts July 10th. So if they train those first three weeks and then start playing the last week of July, they could be the first league back. So to be able to get more fans in, to, not in the arenas, but to watch the games would help them for sure. It would be nice, but <clears throat> I have a feeling we won't be back in until next season. But you never know. 2020 has been interesting. So you never yeah, know. It's what's a new coming. thing every day. It's a new thing every day for sure. It is. All right, so we're going to move on from that and talk about the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which was created, I believe, earlier this week by seven different current and former NHL players, uh, Evander Kane and former NHL player Akeem Alou, are going to be the co-heads of the organization. The other players named the group's executive committee is former star Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. I feel like the creation of this alliance is, to me, it's a big step forward in making hockey more inclusive. Um, Before, I mean, I've said it on my personal Twitter page that and the NHL is the least diverse sport of the major leagues compared compared to the other leagues. Definitely. Um, obviously, there's, obviously, there's more players in other leagues, but um, it's still the least diverse group out of all of them. Um, but I feel like the creation of this 
will help hopefully hopefully help the NHL. Uh, yeah, and it says, you know, in their um, sort of mission statement when they came out with it, you know, they they say that they want to um, promote diversity through community outreach and engagement with the youth. Mm. <clears throat> as far as like making it more affordable and accessible. Yeah. I would really like them to see what I would like the Dallas Stars to do, what I want to see them doing is sorry i guess the construction is um going back on sorry about that <laughs> um <clears throat> you know they have access to so many young players yeah starting at you know four years old all the way up through 18. if they could take a program designed by the diversity alliance and start implementing it at the very youngest age i think that would make such a huge difference because the kids would be growing up with the knowledge and also knowing it won't be tolerated that kind of behavior won't be tolerated so I think that's where the biggest change can always come from, from it, for anything where a change yeah. is starting with the youth. Why is it that hockey equipment is so expensive to mm -hmm. buy and use compared to other leagues? It may be that there's just more of it. So, that makes sense. you know, I don't know how much football players are putting on, but they talk about you know and then you're talking about not only the equipment you know that you're putting on but also the sticks and everything add up you know in football you're you're buying a football so i think it's just there's more there's more equipment needed so and it's expensive. Speaking from experience, it's very expensive. Yeah. And you know, how, <clears throat> how would they be able to make it more affordable, do you think? They already have some things in place. They do have a program where you can try hockey for free and they provide mm -hmm. the instruction and the equipment for you to put on. They have helmets and pads that you can borrow and that way you at least can try hockey and see if you like it. And then once you get to a certain point where you want to uh, join a team, then <clears throat> I, I'm not gonna say you're on your own because there are, yeah. there are secondhand places that you can go to buy hockey equipment and they do have scholarships, but it's, it's after that point where it gets a lot harder for parents to provide the equipment that's needed and also the the fees for playing are outrageously expensive um i'm gonna guess because you're having to it's the keeping up with the ice yeah so you know you're you're paying to have access to ice yeah part of that. so you know i know i know you can try it for free 
I think it's after that that you know things need to be looked at and figured out. So according to the NHL in their article on NHL.com, the NHL was already in the process of creating the Executive Inclusion Council, which will receive recommendations from three committees representing different stakeholders. The Player Inclusion Committee, which I guess is the one that was formed by the players, the seven players that were named already, the Fan Inclusion Committee, and the Youth Inclusion Committee. The Executive Inclusion Council will consist of five owners, five presidents and two GMs of NHL teams. The members have accepted their invitations and their names will be released or announced in a couple of weeks with the first meeting to be held in July. The player inclusion committee will consist of current and former NHL players plus female players from Canada and the U.S. The fan inclusion inclusion committee of chief marketing officers and of NHL teams and partners with which the NHL has worked in the multicultural space. And the Youth Inclusion Committee is the parents and leaders of youth hockey organizations, including Hockey Canada and USA Hockey. So I feel like creating that would be another big step because it's not just the players doing it. It's people from different organizations trying right. to think of ideas too. So the fan part of that is going to be people in marketing? That's what it looks like and partners with which the NHL has worked in the multicultural space. Hmm. So I'm guessing that? I'm guessing that would be the nonprofits possibly. Uh yeah. Um, like Boys so. Girls Club and whatnot. Um, uh, let's see. I think it's good. You know, it's, we've we've heard a lot of players, or we've seen a lot of players come out and post stuff. I think it's it's awkward for them. You know, hockey yeah. players aren't used to expressing feelings. They're, sometimes not even words. So I, I think it's it's good to see them trying. I think people will say the wrong thing sometimes, not even realizing it. But I think the important thing is that it's being talked about. And um, you can now say something without the NHL coming down on you. Like yeah. You may have fans coming down on you, but yeah. that's Which not the same case as like fearing for your job. Yeah. And I mean, it was interesting seeing Tyler Sagan uh, during the protests in Dallas, because mm -hmm. um, that's I think a lot of people didn't expect him to be there. Maybe another player or two, right? But I guess he was the least likely person that they would see there. And then, for whatever reason, the NHL decided to make a video with him at the protests and put it on their social media and they cut backlash for it and then <laughs> deleted it. Are you, Lane, are you referring to the tribute video they did to the white hockey player yes. about yeah. um, Black Lives Mattering? Yeah. Yeah. 
I found that to be a strange choice. I mean, part of me <laughs> kind of understands it because it's saying that more prominent players are out there pushing for the Black Lives Matter and the protest, but at the same time, don't go make a quote-unquote tribute video doing it. I mean, that's kind of a was, bit insensitive. It was very insensitive, and it was a long video, comparatively yeah. speaking, to the time they were giving actual black hockey players and just a picture of them with their quotes. You know, this was a whole montage yeah. of Sagan, which it is fantastic that he is opening up his mind to things he's probably never had to think about before. Yeah, like a lot and, of people. Yeah, a lot of people are having to do that, but I, I'm just constantly mortified and surprised by whoever is in charge of their social media and the choices that they make because this seems so clear cut as something let's not do that yeah like it's like they didn't think about it before they did it type of thing <clears throat> yeah and i think that's their biggest problem i don't think they have anyone there who can actually has experienced what's going on yeah so they just they can't make the right decisions i don't understand but who knows with the nhl yeah it's they can't kind of make their mind up on the club cities it's their brand they are very consistent hopefully they will change i think they just need some help they really need help <laughs> help in any way possible call me uh, nhl before you post for, anything. For yeah, for free. Just for free. But uh, another topic we were going to cover is the the what trophy? <laughs> Masterton Trophy. Masterton Trophy. I and it is an award for perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication. And it's usually some sort of like comeback story or something traumatic happened and the player has come back, made it back to hockey kind of thing. Yeah. So we'll see everything from addiction, injury, uh, mental health, you know, um, and it's an overcomer story, basically. And so we have our very own Stephen Johns nominated this year along with others. And I'm really interested to see if he gets the attention and focus that he deserves um, from the people who get to decide who wins. I'm honestly not sure who decides to win. So I know in a couple of awards, the media decides and another, another few did. This is... Not, the GMs decide and those. So, I had it here, and I don't know. I don't know the other players' stories or whatever. 
as far as the ones that are nominated for the award. But to be able to come back from severe, like really, really severe concussions is a big deal because even yeah. the smallest amount of light can set things off and do permanent damage even. So for him to be able to come back and be able to focus on the game is really a cool thing to see. And, I mean, he even scored – didn't he score in his first game back too? Or, like, um, one of the first Minnesota. few games he came back? Was that Minnesota? Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, he scored in Minnesota. I don't know if that was his – I know it was one of the first few games. That was the back. first time he scored, but it wasn't – I know it wasn't his first home game back. I just mm. remember it went in that order. He was – his first game playing was not at home. Mm. Um, they have Connor, Mc, Connor McDavid's been nominated for his injury. Mm. Um, we have Bobby Ryan, who went into the NHL's program for addiction mm. for alcoholism and came back and started playing again right before the shutdown. Um, who else thinking um oscar limber yeah who was diagnosed with um cancer mm -hmm. yeah yep and um the blues player who collapsed uh um, jay bowmeister oh jay bowmeister bowmeister yeah so yeah. You know, have those kind of stories, but I just look at, you know, everybody's story is important and some of it's tragic, but John spent 22 months trying to get back into hockey and didn't yeah. give up. And then he came back and he was, he was ready. You know, he was contributing right away. So... I just feel like the length of time that he went through what he went through and still managing yeah. to come back, you know, and not just because I'm a Stars fan. Yeah. But, I mean, that's got to be looked at because that's definitely perseverance and dedication. Oh, yeah. So it would be nice if he gets recognized that for that. There's a lot of people who think that he won't because, they're thinking there'll be an East Coast bias and that he'll never get really seriously looked at. So we'll see what happens. And I mean, you can't really compare all those stories because they're not the same. So right. it's, I guess it's all, it's a hard decision to make because I mean, how do you, how does one person, how is one person above the other in rankings, I guess? But, I mean, obviously it has to happen that way, but it's kind of hard to decide it that way. Well, I feel like it's, I feel like it's the moment when it's happening. Like, at this point, yeah. we can say he spent 22 months recovering, training, and coming back to hockey. Um, Bobby Ryan's story, him going to rehab for three months and coming back for a game, good for him. And his first game back, he got a hat trick. He was mm -hmm. crying. I cried. It was amazing. 
but that's three months. What's really more remarkable about him is his like story of him growing up. Yeah. You know, he probably should have gotten something before this. Yeah. And you know, I, I just think it's in the moment. Like who has accomplished that comeback? You know, at the time of the awards. And I just feel like Stephen Johns with the twenty two months should get that this time. Next year it might be because Oscar was diagnosed with cancer, went through treatment and managed to come back and and play next season, you know? Yeah. I don't know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who wins it and how, I guess, how soon it's decided on. I don't know when, if there's a deadline, I'm assuming there's a deadline to to vote on it, but um, it'll be interesting to see who wins it and the coverage they get for winning it. Yes, it will. So we'll see what happens. But you know, there's a, for nothing to be going on, there's a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. Very strange times. And like, when this first, when the, the shutdown and everything started to happen, I'm like, yeah, we're never going to get sports back. There's not going to be anything to talk about. And there wasn't for the first few weeks. Right. But then, as there as there's been more talk about leagues opening back up and cities opening back up, it's like, finally, we have something to talk about. So, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes the NHL to decide on hub cities and the, the the date for resumption of play and how long they'll spend in the the hub cities and all of that. Yeah, and the hard part is realizing that even though they have set that date for July for camp to start, there's a lot of ifs in front of that. Yeah. If it's safe, if they can make it work logistically, then that's when training camps will come back. So. And I feel like this, the players practicing on the ice was the first big step. Because if they can do it safely, that means that they can practice all together safely, hopefully. Um, right. Well, I kind of feel uh, like they could be practicing all together now. But that's yeah. just the, the mom and me coming out, like I said earlier, if it's safe enough yes. for my son. It's safe enough for them. Yeah. So, um, but... Yeah, I also realized that the state of Texas is opening back up sooner than other places. Yeah. So it may not be possible in some places. So. And I mean, like we said earlier, cases are rising across the country again. So, but I don't know how significant it is in every state. And especially for the hub cities, like, the, I know they have to look at the numbers and all that, but. I mean, if Texas, if Dallas is one of the better options, according to the number of cases, 
I mean, I would think that would have to be considered for sure compared to yeah. other shooters. Yeah. But hopefully they don't take too long on deciding everything. That way we actually have something else to talk about next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think that'll do it for this yeah. episode. I'm Lane. And I'm Amy. Listen to our podcast every week. And hopefully have more news for you next week. Bye.